everybody, Penny Houston here from New South Wales DPI, and today I'm catching up with our field crop entomologist based at Tamworth, Zaritza Jurek, and she's going to have a bit of a chat to us about Russian weed aphid. Um, we had some feedback from some of you out there in agronomist world that uh, you wanted a bit of information on Russian weed aphid. It was becoming a that you were seeing quite a few of them further south. So I thought I'd get Saritza, who's our expert on them, to um, to give us a bit of a wrap. So good morning. Actually, it's just good afternoon. Good afternoon, Saritza. How are you today? Good afternoon, Fanny. Saritza, <laughs> can we have a bit of the basics of Russian wheat aphid? Like, you know, when they arrived in Australia, because I know they haven't been here too long, what their life cycle is like and, you know, their ideal growing conditions, I suppose. Yeah, I believe uh, many people already know a lot about Russian with aphid, but it's not uh, bad to repeat few information. So Russian with aphid came, uh, was found in Australia in 2016 in South Australia. And uh, since then it's spreading uh, in um, cereal crops uh, across Victoria, Tasmania, New South Wales and uh, Western Australia. So far, the northern uh, site where Russian with aphid was confirmed is actually Tamworth, and that confirmation was in 2019. So it hasn't reached uh, Queensland, but it doesn't mean it won't. <laughs> and the most important thing is uh, since that 2019 findings, we haven't found Russian with aphid in northern New South Wales. So we presume that uh, Russian with aphid population suppression happened because of uh, drought seasons uh, that we experienced, and especially because of uh, hot, dry summer in 2019, when we actually had lack of uh, over summer green bridge. So very likely that was a situation that was not favorable to Russian with aphid, so didn't manage to over summer and didn't manage to continue on its life cycle here in northern New South Wales. So this aphid is uh, very much regulated to environmental conditions, prefers uh, warmer climates, um, but of course needs to have uh, hosts uh, to survive, uh, need to have a green bridge uh, over summer, which was very likely a yeah, problem why it didn't continue its uh, presence and uh, further distribution in this region. So Russian with aphid still uh, is present in New South Wales. According to my knowledge, it has been found in the last few years in uh, southern New South Wales, uh, and so both Riverina and central New South Wales. However, didn't reach our region so far. We know that the uh, majority of these uh, colonies come uh, in uh, early winter, in uh, early sold uh, winter crops, and especially in areas uh, which have summer irrigation. So these areas, usually areas where you will firstly find uh, Russian weed aphid in winter cereal crops. So yeah, that's how they start. So if you want me to discuss a little bit on its life cycle. So they are colonies. Uh, usually, yeah, they uh, move into winter crops somewhere uh, beginning of, uh, yeah, uh, somewhere in autumn, they are landing into early sold winter crops. And uh, usually the population start to increase across that winter season with multiplication, usually with colonies being formed of mainly wingless aphids. So they do not move so much across 
paddock. The, uh, if if uh, inspection is done, Russian with aphids will uh, usually be fine in patches. That's how they will stay uh, during winter. So, Saritza, are they like other aphids that, you know, they're female and they just lay, lay all live babies? Is that correct? Yes, yes, that's how they reproduce. They are laying nymphs, so there are no egg stage uh, here in Australia. So females are reproducing uh, that way so that they lay alive, alive nymphs. They are all females and then continue their multiplication across yeah whole year, depending on temperatures. So um, women will rule the world, as we both know, Zaritza. So obviously that's the case with the Russian wheat aphid. But you talked about temperature there. Is, is there an ideal temperature range? And how do they respond to frosts and heavy rainfall? Well, of course, there is ideal temperature for any insect, including aphids. Russian with aphid uh, has one uh, big advantage. It can survive very low temperatures, so it can reproduce starting from temperature like two degrees, but its reproduction is very slow with these uh, temperatures. When temperature increase, they speed up their reproduction. So optimal temperature would be around 18 up to 21, 22 degrees. So that's optimal temperature. As I said, life cycle. So usually one generation lasts from 10 to 20 days, depending again on temperature. Lower temperature requires longer development and a higher temperature speed it up. Radio, so they obviously like the cold because they're from Russia and may- maybe even from Siberia. Who knows? But <laughs> so they're actually called Russian wheat aphid. But do they only damage wheat or do they damage other cereals? And do they have any impact at all on summer cereals such as sorghum? Yeah, that's a good question because definitely it's not only wheat. Uh, it's barley, wheat and durum wheat. Those are the most preferable host plants. But uh, not only those. So uh, Russian wheat aphid has over 140 host plants. So it's real, really wide range. But they are cereals or grasses about uh, sorghum. So we did here in DPI, we did research on, on some host plants, uh, host, host plants such as uh, sorghum is. So sorghum could be potential summer host for Russian with aphid, especially in um, late winter, so uh, more like early early spring and during beginning of uh, summertime when when actually damages could be seen on, Rush, on uh, sorghum. So Russian with aphid could um, cause some red patches on place of feeding on leaves on sorghum. However, we haven't actually done detailed uh, feed study on Russian with aphids, so risk needs to be actually more analyzed to be sure how that uh, would affect sorghum in general in the field. However, it can make some damages, but they are not uh, so high, uh, as well as on other hosts such as uh, oat and triticale. So those three hosts are uh, secondary hosts of Russian with aphids. Yeah, well, but like you said, Zaritza, we haven't found them to date north of Tamworth, which is primarily our summer sorghum growing area. So hopefully we'll be okay in that regard for a little while, but I'm sure we won't get away with, away for, away with it forever. But back to winter cereals, 
why are they an issue and what kind of damage do they do? And we might break that into two segments. So why are they an issue and what kind of damage do they do early in the crop life? So in seedling cereal crops. Yeah, well, it is really important because uh, inspections needs to be done firstly on base of uh, symptoms, presence of symptoms in, in uh, paddock, because uh, it is really recognizable. Those first symptoms are really recognizable in the field. Leaves uh, have usually white yellowish stripes leaves where uh, Russian with aphid is present have such a symptoms and sometimes these stripes could be purplish reddish if temperatures uh, at the time of feeding is very low so during winter these stripes can be really uh, easily recognized in the field because uh, they sit in patches inside of uh, rolled, unrolled leaves so you need to unroll these leaves to find Russian with aphid sitting inside of them to be sure that actually those damages from Russian with aphid. Additionally, later in season, some symptoms can develop, such as cones being trapped by rolled flag leaf or heads could have like a bleached appearance, but all that comes after. So those are first symptoms that usually happens in stressed areas in the paddock. So I would advise firstly to inspect these kind of areas in paddock to see if uh, you can see such a symptoms and then unroll leaves and maybe find some uh, aphids uh, that look like Russian with aphid. If you can't recognize it, you can always send it to us to do the identification for you. Yes, Ritza, they're really quite small. I've been in the glass house with you and we've had to get the, um, you know, your little eyepiece out to have a look at them. I was surprised how small they were, say, versus like a Fabian aphid or something that we might mention in passing later on. But um, so back to infestation in the paddock. If you haven't got them early in the season in your wheat crop, Will you have them later or do you have to have them early there in the season for them to reproduce and become an issue later on? Well, uh, yes, it is possible. So first symptoms are usually seen in early uh, winter cereals, but uh, Russian vidapid can, can come later in season. And usually their migration is happening later in season. So I would say the most often they are coming like uh, around tillering stage, uh, start of booting, and then continue their multiplication and reproduction in your paddock towards the heading and flower. After that, they are uh, usually like uh, infesting great areas of paddock and we are coming already in springtime period when they again leaving winter cereals and moving to some some grasses, summer grasses where they will over summer and continue their life cycle to next season, towards next season, towards next yeah winter cereal season. So Sarissa, you mentioned that, that the heads can get hooked up etc all the horns get trapped does this stop the head coming out and is that head then unviable is that where we can get some of the yield loss or does it affect grain weight or grain size or grain number how's it actually impacting the yield in this later infestation stage yeah, to be sure that actually there will be impact on yield, uh, the thing inspection must be done. So inspections usually done from uh, like in between growth stage 40 and before growth stage 40 to see if there is need to spray your crop because this aphid is very manageable. And if there is need to control it, you should do that before growth stage 40 and there won't be any yield losses. So there are some... Uh, 
U.S. threshold, which say that if more than 20 plants are infested before growth stage 32, uh, you should apply some treatment. Um, so these percentage are pretty high. So it's, it's not easy to actually find 20% of infested plants or tillers in field. So I would just like to explain how to do that, actually, to be sure how to inspect your crop. So you need to count number of tillers in 50 centimeter of row in at least five areas in paddock and count number of tillers with symptoms. Also count number of tillers with Russian with aphid on that. A percentage needs to be calculated and there is calculator that's developed thanks to GRDC investments and results of um, SARDI team which worked on Russian with aphid action threshold calculator and so you will input your results of your inspection in this calculator and that will explain you if you need to actually treat your crop to protect it from Russian with aphid. So I think this is really good uh, example to, uh, for farmers to practice and to, de to determine if they should actually uh, apply any chemicals. Yeah, it's really good to know that we've got that, that calculator there from Saudi and um, I might put a bit of a, a link up to that when I post this podcast yeah. or send it out via email because I think that's a, a great tool for growers to use. We just started talking about controlling then and obviously we're in season now so we won't really be spending much time talking about the over summer control which would be mainly green bridge control like you mentioned before and then some seed dressings may or may not have some activity on the aphid but that's not really what we're here for today but how are we going to control them now like can beneficials give us much aid in their control or do the numbers just get too high? That's really a great question, Penny, because uh, I've seen from my experience that beneficials did a great job. So I would like to yeah, ask everyone to give them a chance because there, there is a great range of natural enemies that can control Russian weed aphid. Additionally, uh, there are cultural control, uh, managing refugees and green bridge. And at the end, I would go for some chemicals. So I would advise to save pesticides option till it's really needed. So seed treatments are not recommended as soon. I mean, if, if there is no real reason for that, if there is no danger that Russian with aphid will actually be so early in your crop. And I would say for Northern region, that was not an issue forever, actually. Uh, so we had it in 2019. And since then, we haven't had it here. So I wouldn't advise that. And yeah, I would uh, definitely look for some product option if they exceed the threshold, according to all these uh, calculations, if they exceed threshold, then I would advise farmers and agronomists to look for some product that would be adequate at the time being. So, and that would happen later in season, so around like uh, before heading or uh, something like that. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Zaritza, growers probably want to focus on the softer chemistry and with conditions warming up, something like pyramacarb with its um, vapour activity might be a good product of choice because, uh, like you said, they're, in the, they're curled up in the, in the leaf rolls, which yeah. might be hard for some contact chemicals to get to, but maybe that vapour activity might help with the control of those. Am I on the right track, Zaritza? 
Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, Pyrimicarb is a mild product that would uh, actually won't affect beneficials in such a level like some other chemicals. But just make sure that you are not using more than twice a season. And if you are using twice in season, you should have like a, a 14 days in between those, uh, these two sprays. So yeah, just I would like to mention that uh, there is label uh, that you should follow all protocols and accordingly protect your crop. Yeah, that's that's right. And I think the Pyramicarb's still under permit. I don't know if it's fully registered yet, but yes. there's still permit yes, available. It is. Yep. It, is. So, it is for Russian if it's definitely registered. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, that's fantastic to know. But just go back a step. There's been lots of issues with viruses in pulse crops in the last few years, and there's been some viruses being reported this year in canola crops. And the vector for transmission of most viruses, as we know, are aphids. What about the Russian ones? Do the Russian wheat aphids transmit viruses or not? They can transmit viruses, but they are not uh, good uh, virus vectors. So uh, there is no need to worry about that if you have them in your crop. Uh, the most important, actually, direct damages that they could cause, but not indirect damages such as virus transmission. Yeah. Well, that's good to know, Zaritza. You've got some good news for us at the end, but um, just also, I know in previous years you've had monitoring stations around the place are they still going this year or or how are you knowing where the um where the critters might be this year the spread of them uh well, it's still happening, uh, but in uh, decreased yeah, level. So only in a few sites um, because that project finished. However, I still have some information on that. So aphid levels are not so high this year, as well as uh, virus uh, presence in crops. So that's uh, actually my work together with Job van Lohr. So I share his information on that. So And that's information for aphids and viruses in pulse crops. Yeah, well, that's a perfect segue. Thank you, Zaritza. This is not Russian wheat aphid. I'm just going to, we're just going to have a very quick chat about faber bean aphid, which seems to have spread quite widely this year and has caused quite a bit of damage to, to faber bean crop, not quite a bit, but in isolated patches, mm. quite a bit of feeding damage to some faber bean crops. Do you want to make a quick comment on that little critter for us, please? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, faba bean aphid um, became an issue. So uh, we found it here in northern New South Wales in 2017. But this year is first year when we found it during summer. So it managed to over summer, very likely on pasture legumes and faba bean volunteers. And so this was perfect year for it uh, to over summer and be very early in our winter faba beans this season. So I've got um, so many positives from different sides so it's uh, it's definitely present and established in new south wales however its dis distribution now goes from queensland so it's found in multiple sites in darling downs positives uh, come from gandivindi bogabila all through mori you know, so liverpool plains and actually, there are findings also in Riverina. So we mentioned that there is possibility that this aphid will continue its spreading south. So that's happening this year. This is perfect year, but all contacts in industry, so agronomists and farmers that contacted us, managed to solve their problem using Pyrimor 
usually. So Pyramor, again, we are coming back to that chemical is uh, mild uh, to beneficials and very effective for faba bean aphid. So it comes in patches and it's easy to recognize it, to find it uh, in the field. And if you find one spot, very likely it's present across bigger area. So their numbers will increase this summer, very likely. And since they are coming in very big numbers, they're reproducing very fast. Uh, just pay attention to first um, symptoms and uh, it's present in your crop and manage it adequately. Yeah, so it's a, um, I was likely to spend some time with you up at Tamworth and we had a bit of a chat about them. And I think the thing that surprised me the most is how quickly they can multiply and the huge numbers that they are in. So, you know, the feed dam- feeding damage can be quite severe and we've had some issues here in the central west with them but like you said they seem to be easily controlled with chemical options and you know this summer was just impossible to control all the weeds because it didn't stop raining and so I'm sure quite a few volunteers got away so there's reasons why they've probably multiplied but um, it's just another insect that we've got to keep an eye on but Saritza can people contact you for you know more help and more information on how to manage aphids? Yes, of course, always. Yeah, you can put my contact details. Uh, and, and yeah, they, they can, I'm always uh, open for any inquiries, any cooperation. So yeah, if they need my help assistance with any of these uh, issues, please, please just yeah, contact me, send me some photos, samples, and I will help you to identify it or find the best solution. Yeah, no, Sarissa's always open to hear from, from um, you out there in Growerland. And um, yeah, She's very easy to get along with and lovely to have a chat with. And it's been lovely chatting with you today, Zaritza. But just a few points in summary. So we're kind of getting to the point here end of the season for the earlier sown crops. And people should get out there and monitor their crops now, especially if they've had them at the seedling stage, just to see where your numbers are up to. And some of the work out of the US said that um, they're best controlled before GS40. There's a SARDI calculator out there to help make decisions and we'll we'll have a link up to that as well and they're relatively easy to control with um, chemistry that's not harmful to beneficial so have I kind of really quick bad summary there Zaritza? Yeah, uh, maybe just yeah, monitor and uh, manage your green uh, bridge yep. uh, and volunteer crop because that's really important part of year or if it's to over summer. So that would be my yeah uh, final <laughs> advice. Take home one of our take home messages, right, Ozu? It's uh, been lovely catching up and thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Penny.